All right. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, well, welcome to my research laboratory and a couple of my assistants there behind me. Uh, there's a reason that I've got this all set up this way, and uh, you're probably wondering what the reason is. Well, you're going to have to wait <laughs> a little farther into the message. But, you know, there are laboratories right now all across this planet that they're all looking at, and scientists, they're all trying to find this vaccine for COVID-19. You know, without such a vaccine, um, the way that we had normal life before it, I mean, it'll, it'll really never go back to the way that it was. So the key to this, and the key to this vaccine, all right, which is very interesting, is genetic engineering. There are more than 120 vaccines in various stages of development right now, all right, around the world. And the hope is that by the end of 2020, they're actually talking this, or early 2021, they'll finally have this vaccine. And you have to understand, this is an amazing, this is an astonishing achievement. When we had the Ebola, I remember that not so long ago. You know how long it took them? That was gene therapy too. Five years. It took five years. And here we're talking, what, nine months right now with this. But see, what's interesting is after a vaccine, after they come up with one inside of a laboratory, the first thing they do is that they test it on an animals. And if that turns out okay, then you get a small test group, group of people, and they try it on them. And then they have, and if that works, they go to a bigger trial group. And then eventually they get up to a group as much as 10,000 people, and they see how this vaccine works. Now, there's a difference here. You see, a vaccine, it's to help you prevent from getting it, okay? It's there to stop you from getting the COVID-19. Now, an antidote, now that's a totally different situation. An antidote is to counteract what you're already infected with, okay? It counteracts the disease. And that's really what I'm here about and what I want to talk to you about today. Because, friends, look, at there's no doubt, right? We need a vaccine, all right, for COVID-19. But I strongly, what we need more than that, what we need is an antidote. And we need an antidote to counteract all the racial unrest in this country, the political turmoil, rioters, unstable economy, you know, job loss. You know, how do we do this? How do we bring justice? How do we bring wisdom and peace back into a country that's just strugg that's struggling right now? So many are dealing with personal finances. I mean, there's certainly lack of security. Boy, we got biased media and those deep, deep hurts that so many of us are struggling with right now. See, we need an antidote, and it'll be up on your screen. We need an antidote. We need an antidote for our soul. We need an antidote. Boy, that's, that's, see, we need an antidote because families and our country and our world has already been infected. Just follow me here for a minute. We've already been infected. We need an antidote. And it's not, can I tell you, it's not going to be found in a mixing or in beakers or anything like this in a laboratory. Believe me, you're not going to find this antidote by, you know, looking under a microscope and doing gene therapy. Listen, you're not going to find it there. See, let me ask you this question. What if there was an antidote right now for the family issues that you're struggling with? How about your marriage? Career? Are you dealing with some health issues right now? How about addiction? And Does anybody have any anxiety about what's going on? How about a little bit of fear? 
Well, the question I would like to ask you is, if this antidote came along, what would you be willing to pay for it? What would you be willing to pay if everything in your life right now all of a sudden became peaceful, joyful, fulfilling? Well, you know, Jesus shares of such an antidote. And he also shares what people were willing to pay. And let me just read this to you. He asked, what would you pay? And the first one is in Matthew 13, 44. And he says, this, basically, this antidote, he says, it's like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he hid it again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field. Guy's walking through a field, he trips over something, he finds this unbelievable treasure that's been hidden. And he goes, man, I've got to have this. So what does he do? He sells everything he has to be able to get that. But Jesus doesn't end there. He goes on next and he says in Matthew 13, 45 and 46, Jesus says, this antidote, is, it's like a merchant that's seeking fine pearls. Upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all he had to buy it. So the question I want to ask all of you is, would you do that? Would you sell all that you have right this very moment if the antidote that I was just talking about was offered to you right now, this morning, this afternoon, whenever you're listening to this message? And I'm, again, remember, I'm talking about the antidote for your family issues, maybe the wayward child, you know, maybe there's something going on, family dynamics, uh, maybe, you know, your marriage, you've been struggling back and forth or this whole anxiety of everything that's going on with the rioting and the unstableness in this country, uh, or maybe that bad health report that you just got, okay? Maybe you're struggling with, maybe it's alcohol addiction, drug, pornography, whatever it is. What would you do if someone walked up to you and says, I got an antidote for you. I have an antidote for you right now. As Jesus was just saying, what would you pay? Would you sell, seriously, okay, would you sell everything? Would you sell everything to get it if your life really did become peaceful? If it became fulfilling and joyful? I wonder. You see, there is such an antidote. <laughs> and I don't miss this. Now look at if you're new to me and listening to me teach, whenever I say don't miss this, I'll give you two or three of these during a message. And the reason that I do this is because in case you fell asleep during some of the things I've been saying, remember this, all right? Don't miss this. This antidote that I'm going to reveal to you, that's offered to you, it's going to cost you everything, but everything you don't need. Let me say that again. This antidote, it's going to cost you everything, but it's everything that you don't need. And there's a great illustration of this, and it's found in the book of Luke. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get them ready. Turn to Luke 10. I'm going to be starting in verse 38 in just a few minutes. But before we do, I want to give you a quiz. <laughs> All right? Eight questions. Here's question number one. When life gets busy, does time with God tend to get pushed aside? This is something you just... Don't do this with your spouse next year or any of your kids. It's just an internal one. So when you start getting busy, does your time with God get pushed aside? How about number two? When you try to focus on something, do you find that you're easily distracted? Number three, overall, would you or other people say that 
you tend to be a worrier. How about number four? Do you ever feel sorry for yourself? How about five, number five? In your opinion, do you think you do more than your fair share of work, <laughs> whether it's in the workplace, at home? How about number six? Do you find at times that you're easily angered by others? You know, you're watching the news, six o'clock, you see things going on. Do you find yourself easily angered? How about number seven? Would you say that it's easy for you to see faults in other people? Is it easy for you to go, I know what's wrong with them? And how about number eight? At times, do you find yourself questioning, does God really care about me? See, if you're like me, okay, and you find that you answered yes to four of those, uh, yeah, you're probably a Martha. That's right. And if he answered yes to fewer than four of these, you're probably a Mary. And I know you're thinking, Pastor Paul, you know, what have you been doing? You must be smelling something out of this beaker. What do you mean, am I a Martha? Am I a Mary? Okay, well, let's look at Luke 10. All right, are you ready? Here's the story. It's Jesus. Now it's Jesus traveling with his friends. Says, now as they were traveling along, I'm reading it to you here, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations, and she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. <laughs> but the Lord answered, and he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Friends, if you really think about it, if you really think through this, many times we set our time aside with the, uh, with the Lord by taking care of other business. Or maybe it's recreational activity. You know, we got a golf game I got to run to, or I got a tennis match or pickleball. You know, say, hey, I, I got to get going because these things are important, Right. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever considered that what we think is important, God often considers a distraction? Let me say that again. Have you ever considered that what we think is really important, that maybe God's sitting there going, that's just a distraction in your life? Stop being a Martha. Because, you know, in this world that we live in, there are some common myths that we've all come to believe. So here's myth number one. It says busy equals important, right? Boy, that person must be somebody because, man, they're busy all the time. They're always traveling here, doing this, doing that. Wow, busy equals important. I'm quite sure of this, that God's not going to ask you on judgment day, how busy were you? I'm pretty sure he's not going to ask you that question. Myth number two, you've all heard the myth about the rat race. You know, somebody wins the rat race, okay? All right, can I tell you, God's not interested in what you do. He's more interested in who you are. You've heard me say over and over and over again, it's not what you do, it's whose you are. Who do you belong to? Now there's myth number three. Hurrying, being busy, I mean, if you hurry up and get it done, it's going to buy you more time. How's that worked out in your life? 
<laughs> what do we do with the extra time in our life? We fill it with something else, right? And how about myth number four? I call it downtime, you know? I've heard people go, downtime? That's a, what a waste. That's a waste of time. I'll, I'll rest when I'm dead. Have you heard that? I'll have plenty of time to rest when I'm dead. Well, if that's so true, then why did God create the Sabbath, right? You see, the tragedy of a busy and distracted life is the same tragedy that fell upon Martha, okay? Offer the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. We can't spare the time, okay? We can't spare any time to sit at his feet, and he's the one. He's got the antidote, okay? But we don't have any time to sit with him. So what is, so let me ask you, what do you think Martha's problem was? Was her desire to serve Jesus the problem? Oh, of course not, okay? It was her preoccupation with serving that distracted her from what was really important. I hope you're hearing me. See, we can be so involved in serving God, boy, this, we forget to spend time with them. I think that's, I think, you know what, that's good. I think that's worth repeating. We can get so involved in serving God that we forget to spend time with them. It's like a workaholic trying to say, I'm trying to make my life better for my family. And all the family says, we just want you home. Okay, it's kind of the same thing. Or an example, it's kind of like the golfer football widow. You know, uh, it's golf season. My you know, husband or the wife, they're out early in the morning. I've never seen them. But I, I want to ask you, did you notice in verse 40, Martha begins to feel sorry for herself. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Tell her to help me. It's basically saying, isn't that unfair, God? Doesn't that seem unfair to you? And I mean, she becomes critical of her sister, feeling she's not doing her part. And then look, was she not demanding? She tells Jesus what she wants instead of Jesus telling her what she needs to do. Has that ever happened? Tell her to come help me question. What good is an antidote if we don't follow the instructions? Look at Jesus. We got to find a balance in life between go and do and sit and listen. You know, we got to go and do something. And how do you find the balance between doing that and just sitting and listening? You know, I think Jesus made it simple for us to find this. This is what he said in Luke. If you got your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Did you catch it? Love the Lord your God. Sit and listen. Love your neighbor. Go and do. Okay? Don't miss this. Prepare and prevent is better than repair and repent. Okay. So question for all of you. Has any of you, has anybody had a fork in the road today? Not sure. You're looking at this and go, I'm not really sure what road to go down here. Are you fearful or have anxiety over this COVID-19? Are you struggling with this whole social distancing thing, wearing of the masks? Can I tell you, for goodness sakes, will you sit down at Jesus' feet? Will you sit down, look into his word, see what he has to say for you? You know, Psalms 37.7 says this. 
Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. That's a tough one. Okay, that should be up on your screen. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Just wait. Wait upon the Lord. It's a great song and it goes like that. And then there's Psalms 46.10. He just says, you know what? Be still. Know that I'm God. You know, if you're sitting there watching news all day, flipping the channels between Foxy and, and all the, uh, all the stuff, and he says, and you're getting anxiety and you're getting fearful, and is this going to end? You've got the situation with the family. And he goes, he goes, just be still. God goes, be still. No, I'm God. I know. I know what's going on. But this is hard because we live in a Martha world. <laughs> Okay, there are times when we need to just stop and be quiet and still and rest in the presence of the Lord. It's good for us. It's good for a relationship. It's good with our relationship with God. So I'm going to share something with you. You want to know what it's like to take the antidote? Can I tell you many have? Many have taken the antidote. When you take the antidote, it's to be in the presence of Jesus. (laughs) You know what happens when you are? You forget about everything else going on around you. I shared a story. It was probably about two years ago with all of you, but I think it's worth repeating. This is the story. In 1990, a woman entered a Haagen-Dazs store in Kansas City for an ice cream cone. While she was ordering, another customer entered a store. She placed her order, turned around, and found herself staring face-to-face with Paul Newman. He was in town filming a movie. She said his blue eyes made her knees buckle. She finished paying, quickly walked out of the store. She said her heart was pounding in her chest. Gaining her composure, she suddenly realized when she got outside, she didn't have her ice cream cone. So she turns to go back in. At the door, she meets Paul Newman, who was coming out. And he says to her, "Um, are you looking for your ice cream cone? Unable to speak, she just shook her head, yes. And he goes, well, you put it in your purse with your change. (laughs) Look, this is an important, don't miss this. When was the last time that the presence of God made you forget what was going on around you? I think that's worth repeating. When was the last time that the presence of God made you forget what was going on around you? Because you see, friends, with every antidote, you need to take it correctly. You need to follow the instructions, right? You have prescriptions at home, right? You got to follow the label uh, on the deal. They got you all the side effects where you can go blind. <laughs> you know, you might die from it. But then it's like, but, but if you don't take it properly, what happens? The antidote doesn't work, right? Your, your, your prescription won't have the effect that it's supposed to have. Our Father in heaven is offered to everyone. Let me say it again. He's offered to everyone the antidote. Many have taken this. Look at Many have taken the antidote, but they haven't followed the instructions. I mean, I hope you're hearing me. They haven't followed the simple instructions. They've taken the antidote. You, and you probably say, well, Paul, what's, what are the instructions? Well, here, I'll, I'll read it to you right now. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6. Got your Bible? Turn to it. Matthew 6, we're going to start at verse 25. Jesus says, for this reason, I'm I'm saying to you, he's talking to us right now in the world that we're living in. Don't be worried. Don't be worried about your life. 
Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor for your body, what the heck you're going to put on. He goes, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He goes, look, at, can you see Jesus? He's outside. Go, look at the birds in the air, okay? They don't sow. They don't reap, okay? Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks this really important question. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, can you see him? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour into your life? And why are you worried anyways, he says, about clothing? He goes, look at the lilies of the field. Look how they grow. They don't spin. Okay, they don't toil. And he says, yet I can tell you, Solomon was a splendor of all the stuff that he had. It was not clothed, not even close to these. And he goes on to say, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry. What am I going to eat, drink? What clothing am I going to have? He goes, I love this part. The Gentiles eagerly seek those things. He goes, your heavenly father knows what you need. Do you understand it? Your father knows what you need. But this is, the, this is it right here. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. All of this will be added to you. Seek the antidote. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. It's like he's yelling, I'm the antidote to the, I'm, I'm the antidote that counter, counterintuitive to this world that, that, that you're living in. I counteract all this. I am the antidote to all of this. You see, the cure for our disease, the antidote to what the world struggles with, can I tell you, you know where it is? It's in the blood. Oh, yeah. It's in the blood. The disease, disinfection, it's in the blood. Friends, when Adam infected the world, Adam infected the world in a way that's almost inconceivable. It wasn't just a physical infection like a virus or something, but mental. It was mental, moral, spiritual, eternal. Passed from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. It's Jesus Christ, the second Adam, okay? He's the antidote. Look at immunity is found in Jesus' blood. Immunity is found in Jesus' blood. You know what we all need? A transfusion, okay? We need a transfusion. You go to a hospital to get a transfusion, there's something wrong with your blood or you're lacking it, right? They have to replace it. We need to replace Adam's blood with Jesus' blood. Man, I hope you're hearing me. We need to replace the way of the world to the way of what Jesus has laid out for us. Old blood with new blood. It will transform the old you into a new you. Paul, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Do you understand, friends? It's the gospel message. All right? It's the promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's at hand. He's talking about a whole new society. New citizenship for all of us. We now are we're, we're part of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is on the throne. You may be looking around wondering, Jesus is on the throne. The antidote. You know what's great about the antidote? It's available to everyone. And guess what? There's no shortage. <laughs> okay? It was injected into the world 2,000 years ago. 
You know what's the antidote for? This antidote that was injected into the world is the antidote for depression, unforgiveness, health, finances, loneliness, fear, anger, self-centeredness, eternal life. The Apostle Paul stated in Romans 5, we have someone who is immune to what is destroying mankind. All you got to do is look around, friends. All that Adam brought into the world, Jesus overcame. Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that it means. <laughs> it spread to all men. Paul goes on in verse 19, for as, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of one, Jesus, the many, will be made righteous. When, Jesus, when Adam fell, the entire human race fell with him. But because of Jesus, Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love towards us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God delivered up his son. Do you grasp this? He delivered up his son in our place to make us in right standing, okay, justified before him for everyone who believes. That's why Paul wrote in Romans 5.20, where sin increased, grace abound all the more. Oh, man. Through grace poured out in Christ, sinners can be made right before God. Grace, it's the heart of the gospel message. Grace is the heart of the gospel message. Nothing, look at nothing in the world works like this. Listen, in every system, it doesn't matter if it's education, sports, economics, business, military, you gotta perform. You have to perform. You gotta complete the mission. You gotta take tests. You gotta win the game. You gotta pay the debt or complete the task before the verdict is declared. With the gospel, the verdict comes first. God declares us righteous because of the work of Christ, okay? Then we do our good deeds in life. The verdict comes, we are first declared righteous. Then we get to do the good deeds for Christ. It must never be reversed. This is so important. Never reverse this. And it's a don't miss this. I'm going to read this to you. We must never believe or teach God accepts us based on how we perform. Christ performed in our place through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Friends, there is no other serum in the world that will save our eternal souls. There is none. The antidote to the world's problem, it's already here. Okay? It's the gospel message. Take a hold of the promises of the kingdom of God. You've heard me tell over and over in the gospel, there's over 7,000 promises. I guarantee you, you can find one for yourself. Take a hold of this new society that you're part of, your new church family, okay? Look at, realize, in your new citizenship, you're no longer a citizen of the world, you're a citizen of heaven. And realize that Jesus is reigning over your life and your family's life. So let me ask a question. Do you want the antidote? <laughs> and believe me, I can tell you, this antidote, I can tell you, you're not going to find it in a research lab. You can be looking all you want for the antidote. Where can I find this antidote? <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to find it in a research lab. 
Human effort and wisdom will never do what God can do in your life right now today because it's the cure for our souls, okay? It's the peace that goes beyond all understanding no matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. This antidote will counteract that. But you got to decide if you're going to take it, okay? Maybe you're saying, well, pastor, how do I take it? How do I take this antidote? You know, how do you distribute it through the body and through the soul? Well, I'm going to tell you, Jesus told us right here, Mark 1, verse 14. He, Jesus comes and says, the time's fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Do you get it? You, you, you begin taking the antidote by repenting and believing. He says, repent and believe. In other words, repent means turn the other way. Stop going this direction, okay? Stop walking in the way of the world. Turn, repent of that. Follow me. I'll show you the end of it. I'll show you the way to live that peaceful life. I'll help you overcome that addiction. We'll work through the marriage issues that you're struggling with. Frenchie, he'll help us with that. Do you want that? See, the antidote's available to everyone. Like I told you before, there is no shortage. The question really comes down to, do you want it? Do you really want it? Are you ready to turn away from the distractions of life for joy-filled, peace-filled, fulfilling life? Are you ready for it? And how about those of you that are out there that have, have, have taken the antidote, but you haven't followed the prescription? You haven't done anything with it. You've been a Martha. You've been too busy doing stuff and not sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, let me pray for you right now as, as we get ready to close here today, okay? Let's pray. First off, Father, for those that have not yet taken the end out here, this is your chance. Right now, just bow your head, close your eyes. This is your chance right now because it's free. It's a free gift. You can be free from everything, anything from your past. It doesn't matter through God's tremendous sacrifice. It's time for the transfusion. It's time. To have God just fulfill and come into your life right now. And it's simple. It's just turning to, to the best of your knowledge. Say, Lord, you know what? Whatever Pastor Paul's talking about there and this antidote. And Jesus can make a difference in my life and my family. As for, as little, for what I know right now, I, this is what I want. So please come into my life. And for those out there who've just been too busy, you've been a Martha. Can I encourage you? This is the time, the state that our world is in. This is the time to sit at Jesus' feet and be encouraged and strengthened and fulfilled to bring that not only to you, but to your friends and to your neighbor so you can sit and listen and then go and do. And all God's people said, that's right. Amen. God bless you.